Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. We're soon coming to the end of one year and we'll be starting another one in just over a week. And one thing that I want to challenge you on as we are coming to the end of 2020 is how is your mindset? How's your resolve? How is your commitment to your goals? And this episode is going to help you begin thinking through that in a little bit deeper level than you've probably ever done. I encourage you to sit back and to listen carefully. Take notes if you can, but if not, you can find them in the show notes below. Listen to today's guest. He's going to be breaking down four different sets of mindsets and where you might land on the spectrum for each of these sets. It's going to be something that's really valuable for you, and we're going to get to a little bit more about him in just a second. But first, it's great when you have time to listen to podcasts, but sometimes you just need to get straight to the facts. And that's why we've put together the Leadership Action List. It's a year's worth of weekly action steps to improve your leadership. If you want to be a noticeably different leader in one year, this simple but effective resource is for you. Download this list for free at leadershipactionlist.com. Once again, for an entire year of weekly leadership development, go to leadershipactionlist.com. Our guest today is a cutting-edge leadership development consultant, an author, trainer, and researcher. He's the Wall Street Journal and USA Today best-selling author of Success Mindsets, the key to unlocking greater success in your life, work, and leadership. He's also a leadership professor at the Mihalo College of Business and Economics at California State University, Fullerton. Here is Ryan Gottfriedson. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to this. So I like to start off every interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. Are you ready for these? Yeah, let's do it. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? I think one of the things that I've I've had to learn as a professional and, and as I've started my own business is just how important it is to learn from failure. I, I think, and we'll, we'll dive in and talk about our mindsets related to this, but I think that there are so many people that I work with as a consultant, as a coach, that are business leaders, and one of their primary hangups is, I'm too afraid to fail, that they hold themselves back. And so it, failure is maybe the best opportunity that we have to learn and grow. And so as I look back on my experiences, I, I think there's times where I've failed and I haven't learned, and there's times where I've failed and I have learned, and those are the most growth-producing experiences of my career. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is... Can I do four? We'll give you four today. <laughs> All right. So, and this, this falls in line with my framework on mindsets. So uh, a leader is growth-minded, open-minded, promotion-minded, and outward-minded. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? 
I think one of the best questions that a leader can ask themselves, particularly when things aren't going perfectly or even well, and that is, who am I being that their eyes are not shining? I think leaders have a tendency, and I think all people have a tendency that when things aren't going well, we point the finger at at somebody else or external circumstances. But if we could start by focusing on what is it about us that isn't bringing out the best in our people, then what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up for becoming a better and better leader. What is a book that you would recommend to leaders? I've got lots of books that I could recommend. I, I think if if somebody wants to read a book that will change their life and will change their leadership in, in a very profound way, that book is called Bonds That Make Us Free, and it's written by Terry Warner. And uh, I, I've recommended this to a wide variety of people. Not everybody pick it up and read it. But I had a, a leader. He's heads up the leadership development group of his organization and I recommended it to him and, and he picked it up and he gave me a call one day and he says, I'm 11 pages into this book and my life has already changed. Uh, and and uh, so it's it's a very powerful book and, and one that I think more leaders need to read. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? This is something that I think is largely undervalued, and we're still learning a lot about it. But but the thing that I would recommend is meditation. So as I dive into my expertise around mindsets, one of the things that I find is that our mindsets are neural connections in our prefrontal cortex that connect the different regions of our brain. And if these neural connections are out of whack and are unbalanced in terms of their connectivity to the different regions of our brain, then we are limited in how effectively we can process information. And so one of the things that research is continually finding is that mindfulness practices such as meditation is one of the best things to create alignment in our brain so that we can better navigate the situations that we encounter. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? That's a great one. I think that the why not question is leads to a brighter future than a why question. I I think not that we can't ask why questions. I think why questions are really important. Um, but at the same time, they are a limiting question, whereas a why not question is an empowering question. Well, Ryan, we are here today to talk about your new book, Success Mindsets. And one of the things I'll say as a preliminary note is that one of the people that I interviewed early on in the podcast was Greg Nance. He's, for listeners listening to this, on episodes five and six. He's done amazing things, incredible athletic feats, but also a CEO of an organization, started a nonprofit that got a shout out from US president, done a lot of different things. And one time I was talking to him about coaching and he he mentioned that he had a mindset coach. And that's the first time I'd ever heard of someone talking about a mindset coach. But since then, I've increasingly become convinced of the importance of mindset. And Ryan, we have you here today to talk about your book. I'd love you to give us an overview of the book, but also the journey that got you questioning the importance of mindsets in the first place. Gotcha. Yeah, great. So yeah, let me start with the journey, if that's okay. So I did my PhD program in organizational behavior and human resources at Indiana University. And I settled on the topic of leadership for my dissertation. 
And as I reviewed the last 70 years of research on leadership, I found that the, the primary question that leadership researchers have been trying to answer over the last 70 years is what do leaders need to do to be effective? And I think it's a, a worthy question. I think it's a good question. It's produced some really good answers. But I, at the same time, it felt really short-sighted to me because I think that leadership is not just about what you do. It's about who you are as a person. And so for the last six or seven years, I've, I've been primarily focusing on how do we focus not on the doing element of leadership, but how do we capture and focus on the being element of leadership? And as I've been on this journey, everything's eventually led me to mindsets, the mental lenses that we wear that shape how we view the world. Because how we view the world and how we see the world as leaders and as individuals shapes everything that we do. So literally, mindsets are foundational to our being. And so as I started to learn about mindsets, one of the things that I found, which was the impetus for my book, was, okay, there's many people who know that mindsets are important. Not everybody knows that, but there's many people who do. But not very many people know what mindsets they need to have to become more effective as a person and as a leader. And so my book, Success Mindsets, is the culmination of my research to answer that question. What mindsets do we need to have to be successful? And to answer that question, I, I dove into the academic literature across psychology, management, marketing, and education. And I found that there's been different sets of mindsets that have been studied for 30 plus years across these domains. And what I've done is I've brought four different sets of mindsets together into one framework to help people understand what mindsets are out there, what mindsets they need to have. And then what, what hopefully people get out of my book is perhaps the deepest introspective dive that they've ever been on to awaken to their current mindsets and the quality of those mindsets and, and how they could go about shifting their mindsets if they need to, to unlock greater success. And I want to get into those four sets of mindsets in just a second. But one of the things you talk about in your book is that as you began to look at literature or at least began to do searches on Google, you found that oftentimes people would begin confusing mindset with behaviors. And you've talked about that a little bit already, but could you talk a little bit more about how we can sometimes mistake mindsets for behaviors? Yeah, great question. So I, to give you an example, I got an, uh, an email the other day from a woman and it, and it caught me a little off guard. And she said, I've been looking over your website and your blog and you talk about mindsets and this is something that I focus on. And she said, but you, you don't talk anything about having a diversity mindset. And, and I said, oh, you know, it's, it's interesting because in my mind, I'm thinking, I, I talk about that quite a bit on my blog. I wonder where the dots don't connect. But then I realize that most people, when they think about mindsets, they think that we could just put a label on a way of thinking. And mindsets are so much more than a way of thinking. So much of the discussion out there around mindsets is about ways that we think about a certain topic, and we can improve that. And I, I think that that's great. But what it does is it, is it devalues what mindsets really are. So mindsets, as I had mentioned earlier, are literally neural connections in our brain that are effectively our circuit board for how we process information. 
It connects three different regions of our brain, our reptilian brain, our mammalian brain, and our neocortex, so that we could tap into all of those things to make good decisions. When we've got negative mindsets, what that means is that there's an imbalance in these neural connections such that they are influenced more strongly by one region of the brain than what they should be influenced by. And so when she was saying, we need to have a diversity mindset, what she's really talking about is you have an approach towards other people that, that you're open to diverse ideas, which, which is great. But w- the way that I talk about it is that there are neural connections uh, that have been found that drive those diversity beliefs and ideas, such as an open mindset or an outward mindset. So an open mindset is when we, we're open to ideas and suggestions with others. And an outward mindset is when we see others as being just as important as ourselves. And, and so if people have those mindsets, they will naturally have what she was claiming to be a diversity mindset. And so maybe, maybe to a certain degree, there's almost a hierarchy of ideas around mindsets. But what I try to do is get to the, the foundation and the rigorous science behind mindsets. And, and when we do that, I think we increase our capacity to, to make changes in ourselves and in others that will lead to greater success. So I'd like to get into these four sets of mindsets. And one thing you talk about is that they are really a matter of a spectrum, uh, shades of gray versus black and white. Could you briefly describe or run through the names of the four sets of mindsets before we hop into a little bit more about each one? Yeah, for sure. Thank you. So the, and you're right, I, I, there, I'm going to give you four sets of mindsets and one half of this of these sets are going to be focused on the negative side of the continuum. The other half of the sets is going to be focused on the positive side of the continuum. And there's really a, a spectrum. So our, our personal mindsets are going to lie somewhere along that continuum. Maybe they're a little bit more negative. Maybe they're a little bit more positive. But very few of us are going to be at the extreme outer edge. But the way that we generally talk about these sets of mindsets is we almost talk about them like a dichotomy just so that we could clearly see and understand the differences. And so I I think it's a very important point that you brought up, that we need to see these as as a continuum and and, and as things that we can change. But the four sets are fixed and growth, so fixed being negative, growth being positive, closed and open, prevention and promotion, and inward and outward. So with those four mindsets, one thing I'd like to go ahead and do is go through each one and have you describe a little bit, maybe include some of the anecdotes from your book or a little bit about your personal journey. The first one, though, is fixed and growth mindsets. Could you talk a little bit about those two? So when we have a fixed mindset, we don't believe that we can change our talents, abilities, and intelligence. And what that means is if if we don't believe that we could change our talents, abilities, intelligence, we have a tendency to see the world in terms of haves and have nots. So if I fail at something and I can't improve, this is an indication that I'm a have not. But somebody with a growth mindset, they do believe that they could change their talents, abilities, intelligence. And so when they fail at something, they don't read into that as that's a permanent label for them. That if they're a have not now, that doesn't preclude them from being a have in the future. And so how this plays out is depending upon this core belief about whether or not we can change is that if we have a fixed mindset, because we want to avoid failure, our primary focus becomes on looking good. But if we have a growth mindset, our primary focus becomes on learning and growing. And so 
one of the a great example, one that I highlight in the book is Johnny Manziel, and I don't know how many football fans uh, that you have that listen to your show, but Johnny Manziel is kind of this washed up quarterback who, at one point in time, was a star quarterback at Texas A&M, the first freshman to win, ever win the Heisman Trophy. And the thing that's incredible about him is he is maybe one of the most gifted quarterbacks to ever play college football. And one of the things that I, I think leads me to say that is he won the Heisman Trophy without essentially knowing his team's playbook. Like he never studied his playbook. He just kind of winged things and, and he was brilliant at it. When he got drafted into the NFL, that just didn't fly anymore. And in the NFL, they could clock how much time you're spending in the playbook because they're all on iPads. And he just wasn't spending any time in the playbook. He wasn't willing to listen to ideas. And you could see as an outside observer that he had this fixed mindset that football comes naturally to me. This is a gift and I shouldn't have to work at it to be great. Well, then when he hit the NFL and everybody's kind of catching up to his talent and he's in a more talented pool. Well, well, it turns out that just talent alone isn't going to be successful. And so as he, as he had some early failures in his NFL career, he interpreted those failures as though he was a failure. And that's where this huge downward spiral occurred for him in his life, where he, he got addicted to, to drugs, to alcohol, ended up having a variety of legal issues and really never recovered from that circumstance. So, so that's an example of, I think, an extreme fixed mindset, but the, how it can wreak havoc on somebody's potential. So you have this fixed mindset, which is the haves and have nots perspective of life versus the growth mindset where you're able to grow and change so that you can achieve new heights. After that, there is the closed versus open mindset. Could you share with us a little bit about that one? Yeah. So when we have a closed mindset, we're closed to the ideas and suggestions of others. And when we're open, we're open to others' ideas and suggestions. And and you can see how, you know, naturally there's a continuum because some people are very closed-minded, other people are very open-minded, and, you know, maybe most of us are somewhere in between. And, and so maybe let me put a question back on you, Josh, is, is when you think about people who are closed-minded, so they're not open to the ideas and suggestions of others, what would lead somebody to be closed-minded? probably a protection of their status quo and then maybe even the desire not to have to experience discomfort. Yeah, I I think you're right. I mean, those are very justifiable things. Nobody wants to feel uncomfortable. And I think even rooted in those ideas that you expressed is the idea of if I'm not open to the ideas and suggestions of others, foundationally, it's likely because I think that what I know is best. And so those with the closed mindset, I I like to use the analogy of a bucket. And if their mind is a bucket, those with the closed mindset, their bucket is full. So what happens if you pour something into a full bucket? Well, everything runs off the side. Nothing gets absorbed. And so those with the closed mindset, because they believe that what they know is right, they're primarily focused on being right and being seen as right. So they want to have their ideas validated They want to be the one providing all the answers, and they're not open to new or different perspectives. Those with an open mindset, on the other hand, they can know a lot. Their their bucket can be quite full, but they at least leave some room in their bucket for the idea that they could be wrong. And when we could give us the freedom to believe that we can be wrong, then our focus is no longer on being seen as right, 
Rather, our focus is on finding truth and thinking optimally. So we're much more inclined to ask questions, to seek feedback, to seek different perspectives as a way to think more optimally and to come to a sense of truth. One of the questions that comes to me as you are talking here is what is the balance between an open and closed mindset versus, I guess, the the wisdom and knowledge that you might gain through experiencing a lot of different things? At some point, people begin to come to their own opinions And if you come to those too fast, it can potentially be bad. And if you close yourself off to new ideas, it can be bad. But what is the balance between coming to a belief versus also making sure that you maintain an open attitude toward life? Yeah, and really what you're getting at, and I I speak to a a lot of podcasters and, and, you know, podcasters in general are, they're generally an expert in the topic that they focus on. And and, and occasionally these podcasters will take my mindset assessment in advance. And if they do, the thing that they, they generally point out is I had a really strong closed mindset and, and I didn't see that in myself. And, and so it's really common for people who have a deep level of expertise to have a closed mindset, not for the sense of they are like vehemently opposed to other people's ideas. It's just in the sense that they believe that what they know is best. And so when somebody and a novice comes along and suggests an idea and they're thinking, yeah, I thought about this idea five years ago. Like there's, there's no weight to this idea. And, and they're inclined to quickly shut it down as opposed to just take it in, wrestle with it a little bit and validate it. So having an open mindset doesn't mean we run with everybody's ideas and suggestions. What it means is that we can always have a stiff back. We can always take a stand but simultaneously we need to have a soft front. And that's the key to an open mindset. So even if we are an expert and our bucket is really full, what we just need to consciously do is just say, my bucket isn't entirely full. There are things that I don't know and there's things that I'm probably wrong about. And and there's a, a great thought leader. Her name is Liz Wiseman. She wrote the book Multipliers and she's written another book called Rookie Smarts. And really what the idea of Rookie Smarts is, is that, Even if we're an expert, even if we have a lot of experience, if we approach our job and our work with this intentional kind of attitude and mindset that that we may not know it all, we are going to we're going to operate more effectively. We're going to learn, grow, be more innovative, be more agile. And that's going to have some huge benefits for us and for our organizations. So open and closed mindset is a matter of making sure that you leave space in your metaphorical bucket for increased knowledge and possibilities and other people's insights and opinions. Ryan, the next one is prevention and promotion. How about that one? Yeah, the prevention mindset just simply stated is this desire to not lose. When we have a promotion mindset, we have a desire to win. And to make these ideas come to life, I like to use the analogy of a ship captain. So if we're a ship captain in the middle of the ocean with a prevention mindset, our number one focus is going to be on not sinking. So we don't want any problems to occur. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to take any risks because that may end up with us at the bottom of the ocean. Well, what happens as a storm comes on the horizon, as it inevitably will? Well, those with this prevention mindset and this fear of sinking, their natural inclination to seeing that storm is going to be to run from the storm, to go to a place of safety, maybe a harbor or a port. But we've got to wonder, is that harbor or port that they run to, is that 
the original destination that they set out for. Well, it's unlikely. Those with the promotion mindset, it's not that they they want to sink. Of course, they don't want to sink, but their number one focus is on the destination and making progress towards it. And so when that storm comes on the horizon, rather than instinctively run from it, they ask the question, does that stand between me, where I am, and where I want to go? And if the answer is yes, then what they do is they they prepare to take on the storm. They batten down the hatches, and then they develop the courage to brave the winds and the currents of the sea in order to work their way through the storm because that's the only way to get to their destination. And so there's a lot of people and business leaders that I work with who, in a very justifiable way, they've developed a prevention mindset because they think, I don't want to have any problems. Well, nobody wants to have problems, but if we're continually running from our problems, we are not running towards our goals. Like the idea of getting to a goal, like most goals are are places or destinations that we have never been before. And if we've never been there, can we expect to get there without having any problems? No. So those people with a promotion mindset have this approach that they're willing to tackle problems, whereas those with the prevention mindset are, are primarily focused on avoiding problems. And would that mindset be connected to how strong of a vision and drive you have? Or does the vision and drive come from that mindset? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think to, to have a really strong promotion mindset, you need two things. You need a destination. And I'm not saying that we have to be fully set on the destinations we select. Because as we, as we navigate forward, we may learn that there's a better destination to go to. But, but what we do need is we do need a destination to shoot for. The second thing that we need then is a purpose, a why for getting to that destination. And the stronger that why is, then the harder that we are going to work to get to that destination. And, and the more resilient we're going to be when the storms come. And so I think those are the two keys to having a really strong promotion mindset is a destination and a clear why for why we're headed to that destination. So the sets of mindsets that we've talked about are fixed and growth, close and open, prevention and promotion. And this final fourth set is inward and outward. What about this one? Yeah, so this is how we see others. So when we have an inward mindset, we see ourselves as being more important than others. When we see ourselves being more important than others, we're inclined to see them more as objects as opposed to people. When we have an outward mindset, we see others as being just as important as ourselves. When we see them in this way, we see them as people and as valuable partners. And so let me, let me give you maybe a personal example that really helped me awaken to this. And I think this is the set of mindsets that I personally struggle with the most. And you'll get a sense of this as I share this example. But I think for most of my adult life, when I would pull up or when I would see a homeless person, my, my immediate thought would be they are not doing their best. So when I would see them as not doing their best, then I was rather quick to be critical of them. Why are you asking me for my hard-earned money and you're just standing there? Why don't you do something more productive? And I was much less inclined to help them. But then I read a book uh, by Brene Brown. It's, it's called Rising Strong. And in the book, she talks about this question. But, but she invited me to rather than see them as not doing their best, to rather see them as doing their best. And so I, I made an intentional challenge 
to next time I saw a homeless person to see them as, as doing their best. And, and when I did that and I saw this homeless person, it led me to ask another question. And that was what in the world has happened in their life that has led them to believe that this is the best way to live. And, and immediately upon asking that question, I, I got incredibly empathetic. And I felt sorry for this person wondering what has gone on in, in their life that has led them to be at this state. And, and now how can I help them? What was now my natural desire. And, and so what this is getting at is the difference between an inward mindset and an outward mindset. So when we have this inward mindset, we have a tendency to see others as not doing their best. And when we see them in this way, we think about them more negatively, and we're not likely to behave towards them in the most positive ways. But if we have an outward mindset and see them as doing the best that they can, then we're much more inclined to think about them more positively and behave towards them much more positively. And so I I like this example. Not only does it hopefully articulate the difference between inward and outward mindset, but the foundational role that our mindsets play and that how we see our world, or in this case, other people, shapes how we think about them, how we behave towards them, and how successfully we navigate the situations with them. And so that hopefully that helps articulate the foundational power that our mindsets play in our lives. It does. And I'm interested that you said that because I did take the mindset assessment that you offer. And this was my lowest score. I was trying to figure out why it would be. And it was, it must have been because of that one question, because I think that's where I gave my my lowest score. That the question, are most people doing their best? And one time someone said, most people are doing the best they can or doing what seems right to them based on the information they have. And I can go with that. But when I look at the world, I see a lot of people that don't seem to be living into their full potential. So how would you respond to that? You're so right. So there's the, there's a perspective as an outsider and, and it's really easy to be critical of other people and, and think that they're not doing the best that they can. But I think everybody, you ask anybody, are, are you trying your best? I don't think that there would be anybody that would that would essentially say no. Yeah, I, I think on a minute by minute basis, they like, yeah, I could have tried harder, but but there's a reason why they do what they do, and there's a reason why they think the way that they think, and there there's a variety of factors that that influence that effectiveness. So, uh, in fact, I just got done reading a book that has blown my mind. It's called The Body Keeps the Score, and it's all about trauma. And the reason why I got turned on to this is because. I believe, in terms of the research that I've done, that trauma significantly affects people's mindsets. And that when people have experienced trauma in their upbringing, that they're much more inclined to develop more negative mindsets. They're much less inclined to engage in self-awareness or introspection to uncover their mindsets. And then simultaneously, and what research is finding is, not only are people who have experienced trauma less self-aware, they're less aware of others. So effectively, when people go through trauma, it affects their capacity to have emotional intelligence, to be self-aware and to be other aware. And so it's easy to see somebody else just being kind of ambivalent towards another and not being other aware. And you think, man, why isn't that person other aware? Like something's wrong with them. They're not trying their best. But what we may not recognize is that because of the trauma they've experienced, 
that it's affected the way that their brain literally processes information. And they're at this point in time, they're effectively incapable of picking up the signals that other people send out in terms of needing help or support. And they're, they're just not in a place where they can do that. So there, there's always a, a huge amount of complexity around this that I don't want to negate. But it, and so it really just becomes of what's our attitude towards others and how do we see them? Not to say that people can't do better uh, or even if, if they were to say that, yeah, I could probably do better. I, I think at the same time, if we choose to approach them as though they are not doing the best that they can, sorry, that they are doing the best that they can, we are going to navigate that situation in a much more effective way than if we take the alternative approach and see them as not doing the best that they can. I definitely agree with that. And I appreciate the the kind of the drive and the call and the spirit behind it of, of having more empathy for other people. Now, earlier you said that the inward outward is your area of greatest uh, weakness or potential for growth or however you described it. What is your area for you personally, if you wouldn't mind sharing, what's your strongest mindset? Oh, yeah, I've never been asked that before. Good question. So I'll be very honest with you. I think that there's a reason why I focus on mindsets, and that's because I probably need as much mindset help and work as anybody else. And so for me, working on mindsets is probably a bit of therapy. I look back on my adult life, and if you read my book, you'll you'll pick this up. But I, I think I was on the negative side of each of these continuums. I think I have, as I've as I've done some deep introspection about my mindsets I've learned about mindsets and have engaged in activities to promote and activate more positive mindsets. I believe that I've shifted largely, if not with all of these sets more towards the positive side, not to say that I'm always there. There's certain situations that bring about my worst, but, but I think as a whole, I'm much more on the positive side. Now, which one I think is, is the strongest man. I'd venture to say a promotion mindset is the one that's become the strongest for me. I think that, which is really surprising because if you knew me 10 years ago or five years ago, I think the one that I was the worst at was I, I had a very strong prevention mindset. And, and that's been a huge flip for me, which has led me to start my own business, to write my book, to invest in my business and in my book in ways that I never would have before. Um, and it's been a really cool ride uh, to have that promotion mindset because I feel like I'm living life full of purpose as opposed to just trying to avoid problems and, and create an easy life for myself or a comfortable life for myself. So I think that might be the area, not to say that I don't have room to grow, but that might be the mindset where I'm, uh, I feel like I'm excelling more than the others. And that's part of the idea behind some of these mindsets, especially the growth mindset. There's always room for improvement. And that's that's one of those areas that I uh, really tend to to lean toward. Now, if people are wondering what their areas of greatest strength and greatest potential for growth are, where can people go to take this mindset assessment to get some insight for themselves? Yeah, I appreciate you asking. The best place to go is to my website. It's ryangottfordson.com. There's a link right there on the homepage uh, to, to take the mindset assessment. Uh, it's a it's a 20 question assessment, so it only takes about five minutes, but it produces a really comprehensive and individualized report uh, of the quality of your mindsets relative to the 11,000 plus other people who have taken the assessment. And then it provides resources to help you if you want to focus on any of these mindsets on, on some resources that you can engage in 
to activate, strengthen, and shift uh, your mindsets to become more positive to unlock greater success. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for your time today. In addition to the assessment, where can people go to learn more about the work you're doing as well as to purchase success mindsets? Yeah, I would still say, though, I mean, you can buy the book at, at any retailer, but if you go through my website, uh, I have a bunch of free giveaways associated with the book. Uh, and then also on my website, I have a variety of other tools designed to help people shift their mindset. So I've got a digital mindset coach, which is essentially an app that is used to activate and strengthen mindsets over the course of three to four months. I developed an online mindset course called High Octane Mindsets which I believe is the deepest and most introspective personal development course somebody can go on. Uh, I found most of the enrollees in that course are business leaders who want to make the next step, but they just feel like they're hung up and they're, they haven't been able to make that step. And uh, those are the individuals that have really been resonating with the course. And, and so if that happens to be you, it might be uh, something of interest to you. Great stuff. Well, Ryan, once again, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for your great questions, Josh. Remember to go to RyanGottfordson.com if you'd like to take that mindset assessment that he was talking about. If you share your results with me at Josh at FreedomAndLeadership.com, I'd love to see what you scored and maybe compare results as well. And if you'd like to find out other ways to contact Ryan or myself, you can find those in the show notes below. Now, let's go ahead and get you today's three key takeaways. The first one is this. Most people think of mindsets as our way of thinking, but in reality, they are effectively our circuit board for how we process information and make decisions. They're not simply how we think. They're a lot more than that. And the mindsets that we hold end up affecting who we are and how we operate as leaders. And that's connected to our second key takeaway, which comes from what Ryan said about leadership research. He said a lot of leadership research over the last 70 years was focused on what leaders need to do. There's not been nearly enough research on who a leader needs to be. And if what we do comes from who we are, leaders also need to be thinking about who they are and how they need to develop themselves. And our mindsets are foundational to who we are. And for the third and final key takeaway, I just want to highlight what someone with a healthy mindset in each of these four pairs would look like. The profile of this person is that they believe they can change and improve. They're open to the ideas and suggestions of others. They tackle problems so they can win, and they see others as equally important to themselves. So hopefully you compare favorably to that profile of a leader who has strong mindsets. Now, the conversation of what a leader needs to do versus who a leader needs to be is an interesting one. And if you like to focus on who a leader needs to be in today's episode, but also want to focus on what a leader needs to do, I encourage you to download the Leadership Action List at leadershipactionlist.com. This is free weekly leadership tips for an entire year. That's 52 different leadership actions you can be taking, one per week, so that you can make sure that in 2021, you are taking actions every single week to improve your leadership. Once again, I encourage you to go to leadershipactionlist.com to download your free leadership action list. I look forward to sharing with you again later this week. And until then, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. 
Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.